Hello, welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We're a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who simply love Jesus and want to journey through the ups and downs of our faith together. We're so glad you're here. Currently, we're in our series called Psalms, a curated playlist. There's a style of song that's call and response. And perhaps you're familiar with this in the musical term is antiphonal. I had to learn how to say that this week. And it's when the parts of the music go back and forth. They communicate to one another. And it might be in the music itself. <laughs> one example said, like, call me maybe. And Carly Rae Jepsen sang. And then the violins played after it. And I was like, okay, I don't think of that. But it made me laugh, so I had to share. So, so musical instruments can talk back and forth. But you might be most familiar is when a leader would sing something. And then the group of people... Maybe you have backup singers, maybe a congregation would then respond in song. And so I want us to play, if you guys are ready to click on our YouTube video here, we're going to play uh, an example of some call and response. And it's going to start with a chorus and it's a 1925 recording. So uh, you might be familiar with this song and you're going to hear the chorus first and it's going to have some call and response. And then you're going to hear the verse, which switches into more of that leader response. Thank you. to hear all the lyrics there, but you could definitely hear how the leader would start and then people would echo. Wade in the Water was written in the mid to late 1800s. And that chorus is the thing that we has stayed with us over the years. That has always been consistent. Now, some of the verses have been different. One of the ones that I read, and you can put it on the screen is, who were the children all dressed in red? God's going to trouble the water. Must be the ones that Moses led. God's going to trouble the water. And then they reference who are the children dressed in white must be the ones of the Israelites. And then the final one talks about dressed in blue must be the ones that made it through. So this call and response has visions of Moses and perhaps you're familiar because God used Moses years and years back to deliver the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. So here is a song that's calling upon our history of faith. And that is what our psalm is going to be looking at today, a history of faith. But the interesting part about this song is that it was believed to be used to communicate on the Underground Railroad. So not only are they singing about God delivering his people through water, they're communicating to slaves to say, head to the water. You want to find your freedom? You want to escape the slavers and the dogs that will hunt you down, head to the water. And songs, this song here is communicating freedom and also a way to find freedom 
And this wasn't the only song that had encoded messages inside, double meanings, ways to communicate freedom. We've been in our series, Psalms, a curated playlist, and we've looked at all kinds of modern music as we look at ancient Psalms. Some songs are written full of praise. They were supposed to be put on by full bands. Other times, some were super personal, people crying out to God in pain. David wrote Psalms when he was on the run for his life. Jesus quoted a Psalm on the cross and God's people were tasked to sing Psalms during special festivals. And that's where we're going to head to today. It's a public Psalm, Psalm 136. And throughout our time, we have been reminded whether it's public, whether something was written very personal, we can learn from it and we can see two things. We can see that music has been this catharsis since the beginning of time. It's a way of expressing to God, to other people, what's going on inside of us. And it's also a way if we can listen to other people's songs, we learn something about them. We form a connection as we realize the things that we have in common, the ways that we can lift one another up. And so in 136 today, it's a public song created for a festival of remembrance. And just like all these other songs, when songs are written by people and for people, they can be complex because humanity is complex, especially in light of a holy God. So if you want to turn to Psalm 136 or we'll have on the screen, we read some of this earlier today. And I like the fact that this psalm, as we can see up here, you see the uh, italicized text. And just as we read it together, it was meant to be a call and response. So we have the leader looking through all the aspects of God. Yahweh is what the Israelites called the Lord God. And this is speaking of Yahweh's goodness and specific things about him. And the leader would chant or sing and everyone would respond. His love endures forever. Reading it straight through doesn't have that same effect just when you pick it up and look at the text. So I like that we can interact with this scripture together. This psalm was said to be sung during Passover, and you've probably heard of that still celebrated today. The Jewish festival when they would remember when they were delivered from slavery. The first nine verses we read earlier. And so let's just look at verses one through four together since we've, all, we've heard this out loud. But let me just read for you uh, the leader's piece. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Interestingly, the particular word used for give thanks here is actually implies and a, a specific acknowledgement of God that if you were to use this word, you were supposed to call on not just generally like, thanks, God, you're great, but specifically to name things that God did acts of deliverance of provision that he would make in people's lives. In fact, you would use this give thanks word when you were offering a peace offering. Leviticus seven gives us several verses about God's people they would make sacrifices and not just when they sinned, but they were to make sacrifices in order to thank God for things that they had done. And so you would use this give thanks word in this very Psalm as you were giving thanks to Yahweh for provision and you were offering a sacrifice to him in words and song. And here we have 
They were offering Thanksgiving with cakes, with bread. All of this is a Thanksgiving and a verbal commitment and honoring of the creator. Let's go on to verse five through nine. And let me read this out loud for us. Again, Yahweh, by his understanding, made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. I'm a kind of person that I like nature. And for some reason, when I'm out in it, that is kind of when things help me to pause, help me to think beyond myself. Help me to look out into the world and consider. And so I really like this piece of the psalm that they're thanking God for his provision. And I don't always think to thank God for the sun that comes out unless there's a big storm. And then you do thank God for the sun that comes out. Or what about the moon at night? I don't know what it does. Something about tides. But I just think it's really pretty. So I just like to look at the different phases of the moon. And I think it's really creative. And I try to learn all the names of it. But it's true, like you can look into the heavens and you see there's something, there's someone there who placed it all in place. And that is what the song is singing, to go back in time, to not just say like, well, here and now, and this is my life and this is how it relates to me. But this is an ancient God who from the beginning has cared about people. He's cared about the details. He's cared about creating himself. He's created this world, a creative God. And this song is trying to just sing back some glimpse of thanks for the wonders that he has brought. And now, as we said, we're supposed to use very specific language here, specifically tell God what we're thankful for if we're we're using these words. And so now we're going to get to some very specifics. During Passover, this is what you would remember in verse 10. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. So if you're singing during Passover, this is the time to remember something very specific. When God brought the Hebrews out of slavery. The history here, hopefully you've heard of it before. But Moses, he was just a man, a human man, very flawed man. And yet God said, I want you to go. I want you to speak to Pharaoh. I want you to act on my behalf. Try to get Pharaoh to change his heart to let my people go. And through a series of plagues, God tried to show he is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. And he wanted Pharaoh to recognize it and to recognize the harm he was causing people in his care. He wanted them to be free. And so plague after plague happened. And then what we see here. In verse 10, is it struck down the firstborn of Egypt? That was the last of the plagues. And it was the time where Pharaoh finally began to have a change of heart momentarily. He did say, yes, all the Hebrews under here in Egypt, just go, just get out of here. Leave me alone. And then he changed his mind once they left. So that's why we have the parting of the Red Sea. 
the Israelites needed to escape. They needed to get away because suddenly Pharaoh's like, eh, change my mind. I think I'll come after you again. So all of this describes this, the sea, the splitting of the sea. And then the Pharaoh and his army were swept back up into the waters. And it's, it's not a pretty picture. I mean, you think about singing it and then from the Israelite perspective, yes, very freeing. But there was, there was pieces of sorrow here. God would rather have had a change of heart. He cared about the oppressors as well as the oppressed to come to him. He would have rather seen Pharaoh tell the Egyptian people, hey, let's, let's change our ways. Let's befriend the Hebrews among us, not just enslave them or let them go. There's something in between. There's a relationship they could have had. And I don't think we can read about this without noticing the pain that's there. The violence and the death that did bring sorrow to God's heart to know that people were hardened enough to enslave their fellow human beings and then hardened enough that Pharaoh just let them die on his behalf, on his order. God's people were on a journey. But the, everyone that they interacted with, the, the righteous and the unrighteous, God cared about them. And as we sing about the Hebrew journey, we have to think about those that they met along the way. And so we get to verse 17. We've got some more, some more violence, some more enemies. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. So my love language was nature. Maybe your love language is provision and deliverance. This definitely shows a mighty God to say he's going to act out of justice. That he's going to give chances. But if we are not going to change our ways, God will step in. And he will protect those that he made in his image. And he will call on us who were made in his image to say, you have a chance to change. But if not, I draw the line. And maybe that is how you feel God's presence in your life. That he's willing to fight for you. He's going to go to battle with you. And it may require sacrifice and work on our part. But if God is stepping in to bring justice, maybe these verses speak to his provision in your life. The story of being here, the thanks being offered to God, it's powerful. It's not always easy. These, there's feelings that we feel when we read these verses. And, and you might, I might like the stars and the moon section. It feels kind of icky here. But that's the complexity of human nature. And that's the love that our God shows in the good times and in the harsh decisions. And then we finally wrap up the Psalm, verse 23. He remembered us in our low estate. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. It's a nice little summary there. God sees people's needs. He provides for them. He frees people. And for every bit of creation, not just humanity, everything he has created, he is providing for. He gives food to every creature. In verse 25, it says, give thanks. Now, during this time, we've kept reading, so I didn't repeat myself a million times, but notice in every time that there was these statements about God, 
Remember that there's the response. His love endures forever. Through the beauty and through the battle, his love endures forever. So we listened to that song at the beginning of our sermon. And we look at the way that call and response became a bigger phenomenon in our country. And it came from pain. It came because people were enslaved in Africa, brought to America, and they wrote songs like Wade in the Water in order to, to deal, to remember God's provision in the past to, so they could have something to cling to in their present circumstances. And that's what this psalm can do. That's what songs can do. We can remember God because sometimes we think if God could care enough to deliver and go through the the gross ickiness of dealing with battle and bloodshed and hardened hearts, tortured other human beings. If God can step into that mess, surely he can step into mine. And I think that's what these songs let us know. This call and response to say, we're calling out to a God. We're asking for his response. Yesterday, our country celebrated Juneteenth for the first time as a federal holiday. And it celebrates when the final slaves finally learned two years later that they were free. Perhaps these songs, these songs, they speak, they speak of something. And just recognizing this, this holiday is a way to just dip our toe, start to wade in the water. This journey of, of truly treating everyone, one another, as if we're free. It's complex. Our history in our country, our history in our faith, it's complex. I can imagine when Jesus and his fellow Jewish people were singing this song during Passover. They not only rejoiced over the end of when they were enslaved, they also had to reckon because those same people who were freed from slavery ended up turning around, forgetting about Yahweh who had just freed them. And they started acting just as bad as the enemies who chased them down. And when we listen to Wade in the water and we think about our faith history, but we think who was singing it at the time, it's convicting in our own lives that we think of our ancestors. We can rejoice over freedom and have a reckoning, a reckoning that it's not right, that things have been harsh along the way, that that it's not a pretty picture. We don't always want to recall all of the details that got us to this point. We rejoice because we do have freedom. We have opportunities. And yet, how did we arrive here? We have rejoicing and reckoning with the songs that we sing. Because rarely are things one or another. Rarely are things all beautiful and pristine and good Rarely are things all horrible and hopeless. We've got a little bit of both. Our humanity and our songs are complex. And so we have a call and we're going to ask, how are we going to respond? When we rejoice, when we reckon with our past, how do we approach a world and say that God's love endures forever when it's complicated, when it's not pretty? I don't have easy answers when people are in pain. I have a lot more questions. But that's why we're together. It's not a solo song. We come together 
to rejoice and to reckon with one another. We come together and we try to grapple with why Jesus came to earth and why we care about him, why he matters. So that's what I want us to do as we've gone through this series is to determine what's our song. We're called, we're called to respond. We're not always going to know. We're not always going to do it perfectly, but let's journey together. Let's keep singing a song and working out these lyrics and working out the melodies and, and trying to figure out who we are as a people as a body of believers, as we live out God's enduring love here in our city today. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your enduring love. And we see it and we hope in it. We try. And sometimes it feels ugly and uncomfortable a lot of times it doesn't feel fair that we are in certain circumstances and we hurt and we grieve and we rejoice and we celebrate. We're a mix of all these things together and yet your love endures. It's the through line that we hold to. And we just ask that you would sing through us. We give thanks to you for being good, and we ask that you and your freedom and your truth and your love will sing through us, that we can communicate that to, to our world around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Echo Church. If you ever want to join us in person, we're located in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. That's E-C-H-O church dot O-R-G. Have a great week.